everybody, Alan Arnett here with another episode on the blog and the podcast at alanarnett.com. It is Wednesday, August the 4th. 2021. Today, we're going to wrap up the K2 summer season and do a quick preview about what to look forward to over the next several months in the world of mountain climbing. Well, for the K2 season, um, you know, it ended up that uh, there was uh, almost a record number of summits, around 48 summits uh, this year. And it was not the record. The record was actually in 2018 was 62 summits uh, that year. Uh, and also back in 2000, let's see, 2004, there were 51 summits. So, you know, pretty close, but not quite. But it was a great season overall for almost all the teams. Um, uh, the big teams really had a lot of success this year. Madison Mountaineering had nine clients with nine Sherpas and three Pakistan any climbers uh, make the summit on July 28th. Pioneer Expeditions, they had a good, good time. Uh, they're from Nepal, and they brought in some Sherpas from Nepal, just like Garrett Madison did. And they had two Ukrainian um, teams, different teams, one Ukrainian, they called it Ukrainian Nepalese, and the other one was uh, Alpamena. And uh, overall, they had 19 people between those two teams and the Pioneer Sherpas. So they also had a really good season. So, you know, congratulations to them. Uh, you know, the Pakistani climbers had a really good year this year in the Karakoram. The Hushi uh, Welfare Mountaineering and Climbing School, overall, they saw seven summits on K2, three on Broad Peak, and two on Gasherbrom 2 spread across multiple teams. So it's really interesting. What we're seeing in Pakistan is a lot more Pakistanis climbing, you know, just on their own, not guiding somebody or being what they used to call a high-altitude porter, uh, but instead just climbing for, you know, for themselves, for their own enjoyment. So really good on them and uh, very good for uh, the Sherpas that came over from Nepal. Uh, you know, obviously they had to navigate a lot of COVID protocols and some different changing rules at the last minute that scared away a lot of Nepali companies and frankly, a lot of companies around the world, all the way from Europe to, um, you know, to Australia, Asia, to the U.S. and uh, South America that chose not to go. So this year it was actually a pretty small number of people if you look at the uh, that you look at the number of 8000 meter mountains in pakistan it says k2 broad peak gasherbrom 1 gasherbrom 2 and then nanga parbat uh between those five mountains there was roughly about 185 permits that were issued and of those um there's a lot of duplication so the numbers are kind of rough uh, tough to get a hold of but overall it looks like there was about 75 permits issued to foreigners um i'm sorry 128 to foreigners and about 75 to support climbers. And that's pretty typical in the Karakoram. You don't see nearly the ratio in the Karakoram that you see in Nepal, especially on Everest and like Manaslu. And primarily the reason is that, you know, frankly, the mountains in the Pakistan are technically more difficult than they are in Nepal, with all due respect to, you know, mountains like Dalagiri and uh, Makalu and others. Uh, but certainly they're more difficult than uh, Everest, with, again, with respect to the altitude. But K2 is a whole different world in terms of technical climbing is technical climbing and altitude. So, you know, one of the big stories this year uh, on K2 was whether uh, the bodies could be found of the three climbers that went missing back in uh, February the 5th of 2021 during the winter expeditions. And those were Pakistani Muhammad Ali uh, Sadapara, Icelander John Snorri, and Chilean um, Juan Pablo Morprito, better known as JP. Uh, you know, they went missing. They, you know, the story is known well now that uh, they were headed up above uh, high camp going for the summit along 
along with um, with Ali's son, uh, Saeed, and uh, Saeed's regulator started to have a problem. So his father sent him back down to the high camp to wait for him. And of course, they never showed up. So no one really knew what happened. Everybody searched for him. So Saeed went back with the team this year to go look for him. They used drones. And it ended up that some Sherpas from... Um, Madison Mountaineering were actually the first to find um, um, John Snorri's and um, Ali's body right above the bottleneck. If you go to my website on the blog, there's a really good map that was put together uh, where Eli Sakeli put together, uh, located the uh, the locations of the bodies. And so John and Ali are above the bottleneck and uh, JP is below. Um, the story goes that they were still clipped into their fixed ropes. Um, so it's really not known whether they died after they summited or they died going up or died coming down it's generally thought that they died on the way down um, some of the some of the um, common uh, thoughts are that they just simply uh, ran out of energy got hit by a big gust of wind um, that uh, they frankly just froze to death it looks like there's no avalanche nothing like the serac released that killed them more than it was just maybe exhaustion and the cold so whether they summited is, is frankly irrelevant to most people but it's important to their families to know you know how they can honor their um, you know their fallen loved ones um, so he did bury his father uh, in the area of camp four uh, again there's a picture that he posted on instagram that i've reposted on my website you know my heart really goes out to all three of the families uh, for just such a such a tragic loss um, last year. But it also, I'm happy that they did find their bodies. So now they have some form of closure uh, to their, um, you know, to their loss. So that's on K2, the big teams. There were two other uh, situations going on. One was uh, Graham Zimmerman and Ian Westland on the West Ridge. Uh, you know, they basically got to around 7,000 meters and ran into very difficult climbing conditions. And so they ended up um, not going to the, not going Going to the summit using the West Ridge, but put in a very strong effort. Something tells me that they'll be back and try again because everything they talked about made it sound like they just had a ton of fun doing it. Just the two of them on the West Ridge, kind of climbing the way it's supposed to be, not a huge group. Uh, also, they didn't use supplemental oxygen, which was kind of nice. Um, tragically, there was another death this year, a first, uh, the, oh, there was one death on, um, on K2, and that was uh, Scottish climbing legend Rick Allen. He died while attempting a new route on the southeast face, along with Stephen Keck and Jordi Tosas. Uh, they were there with uh, Karakorum Expeditions. It looks like that that um, Rick Allen died in an avalanche. It's thought that it was a small avalanche, but nonetheless, it doesn't take much to knock you off your feet or over a, a steep ridge line or to get caught in it and suffocate. Uh, tragically, he died at uh, around age 67, 68. Uh, just an unbelievable career he had back on Nanga Parbit a few years ago, um, you know, with his buddy. Um, and they, you know, they did a week-long ridge climb above 8,000 meters. Just unbelievable. Uh, won many awards for that. So, Again, the tragedy on the mountain in the face of uh, what was a lot of people celebrating uh, their, their success on K2. Speaking of uh, Karakoram Expeditions, they had about uh, 11 clients, 11 members with 22 Sherpas. And so they wanted to go uh, acclimatize on Broad Peak and then come over and, and you know, quote unquote, run up K2. Well, 
they went over to Broad Peak, and this was there was a big drama of this season. In addition to uh, finding the three missing winter climbers, it was all the drama happening on uh, Broad Peak. You know, it's become very common for teams to go over and they say they want to they want to acclimatize on Broad Peak and then do a quote unquote alpine climb. In other words, just start from base camp and nonstop go to the summit. You know, spending uh, you know a night or two on the way up, but certainly not doing the acclimatization rotations like the traditional camps do. Traditional teams do well. They they went over a broad peak and the conditions were just horrendous over there this year. Um, you know, very uh, talented, very skilled climber um, uh, that was over there, Don Bowie with uh, Loda Hinston. They were there first. They spent a couple of weeks before anybody else showed up trying to break trail and establish at least a camp three, but they were in uh, a knee to waist to chest deep snow, just fighting it the whole way. Well, eventually reinforcements arrived primarily from uh, Karakoram expeditions and uh they had three sherpas that really broke the trail uh built on don and lotus um uh, progress and got all the way to the summit with the fixed ropes that opened the door that day for a lot of people to go up and summit but then tragedy hit there as well uh and coming down from the summit uh, there was first um some individuals that kind of got off route and it seems like that uh, russian climber anesthesia uh, runova uh, that she went down the wrong side of Broad Peak. The summit of Broad Peak is at the end of a very long and fairly steep 30, 40 degree ridge. And it actually is a ridge that separates China from Pakistan. And if you're going up the ridge to the climber's right, that's Pakistan. And if you go to the climber's left, that's a 70, 70 degree icy rock wall. 70 degrees is really steep. And so nobody ever climbs on that side, but occasionally people will get lost and descend on that side and tragically almost always to their death. Well, this time, Anastasia, she got off route and ended up on a ledge on that side, stuck for several hours until people came to her aid. Well, it ends up also that um, a Chinese, or I'm sorry, Korean legend, uh, Mr. Kim, he also was on that side and he ended up with it. Now, whether they both followed some fixed ropes, some old ropes that got blown over on that side, um, you know, still for me, that's still very unclear. But um, Russian Vitaly Lazo, he uh, came to the rescue. He heard over the radio and he was down at, um, at Camp 3, heard that this um, tragic situation was going on and that uh, Mr. Kim was stuck uh, on the ledge. Uh, that um, Anastasia had been rescued from. Well, if you don't know the history of Mr. Kim, he had lost all 10 of his fingers back in 1991 while climbing Denali, but he had gone on to summit 13 of the 14 8,000 meter mountains that he did summit, uh, I'm sorry, he did summit Broad Peak this year, but now he was on his way down and he's stuck on this ledge for like eight hours. Well, Vitaly finally got to him. They were able to set up a belay station and lowered ropes. And uh, Vitaly was like 15 feet above him. And the the way that Vitaly tells the story, and again, I've got the link to the stories on my website, that he um, he called down to uh, to Mr. Kim and asked him, you know, to, to shake the ice off of the rope so he could move his Jumar, you know, the mechanical device with the, um, the, um, the teeth on it that catches you if you fall. But if the rope is really icy, that Jumar cannot get hold of that icy rope. And so it just slips right through as if it had no teeth at all. And apparently Mr. Kim went to shake the rope to clear the ice and his Jumar either detached or just, just un, 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 unhooked the teeth and he tragically fell to his death. 
just just absolutely tragic. This man had just done just some tremendous mountaineering around the world and was truly a legend, not only in Korea, but elsewhere. He was climbing with uh, some of his Korean teammates, but apparently they all did not go on the summit push with him. So um, again, kind of tragic that he was up there and ended up um, dying by falling down the Chinese side. On the other mountains, um, so that means there were two deaths this year, Rick Allen and then Mr. Kim, both um, both lost their lives. Those were the only two deaths that we know of uh, that happened this season, the summer season in the Karakoram. Over on the Gasherbroms, there was um, about uh, four summits of Gasherbrom one uh, that uh, was done by a, a very small team, but they did a nice job of that. They were Italian team Gasherbrom two, which is generally considered one of the more achievable eight thousand meter mountains in, in the world, compared with uh, Manaslu and Choyoyu. So, kind of those three are the achievable ones, and uh, they it saw twenty four summits this year, including a, a nice uh, ski descent uh, by a French team. So that was pretty fun. Over down on Nanga Parbat, which is kind of a little bit further away from these other four in, in the northern territories on the border with China, Nanga stands pretty much uh, standalone within um, within Pakistan. Uh, there was a, a Spanish team there, and they wanted to uh, try to climb the Dimer face, but um, they canceled their expedition due to weather and also kind of slow progress. So there were a few uh, records that were made. Again, I'm going to butcher these names, but I'll just kind of push through it. First Ukrainian female that summited both Everest and K2, uh, Arena Gale, youngest Pakistani and youngest male climber ever on K2. I think he's 19. Um, Sharroz Kasif, uh, uh, another Pakistani climber, Sirbaz Khan. He got his eighth 8,000 meter mountain with G2. So he's got Everest K2, Nanga, Lhotse, Broad Peak, Manaslu, and Annapurna. He got uh, Annapurna and uh, Everest and Lhotse this past summer, uh, past spring rather. So he's really on a roll. His goal obviously is to do all 14 of the 8,000 meter mountains. Um, and then the first Pakistani female to summit an 8,000 meter mountain G2 was uh, Nala Kaini. So congratulations to all of them. One of the uh, side stories that happened this year that could have been a record, and I'm really glad that it wasn't, was 12-year-old um, Selena uh, Hajawa, maybe. Um, her father wanted her to summit Broad Peak. He took her to Broad Peak. She had done a couple of 7,000-meter mountains. Mind you, she's only 12 years old, Pakistani young lady. And so, uh, but dad got sick and had to leave and left her there um, and uh, to go ahead and try to climb. Different reports on whether she was alone or she was with her porter and the kitchen crew. But bottom line was at the end of the day, uh, she did not attempt the mountain. So um, she went on back home. You know, Pakistan doesn't have age limits like uh, Nepal and China do with 18. And I think it's 65 or 70. I had to go back and double check, but definitely at least 65 um, in Nepal. So, um, you know, again, the sad story of uh, John Ali and JP, uh, their bodies are still on the mountain and probably will be forever. And I think that I know there's plaques at the Gilkey Memorial that they brought up for um, for at least two of them. The families arranged it. And the Gilkey Memorial is this site um, about an hour's walk from K2 Base Camp uh, on the side of the glacier up on the Rock Hill. And that's where a lot of plaques are up of, of climbers who have died in that general area, not necessarily on K2, but in all the various mountains in that area. It's 
very hollowed ground. Um, I was fortunate enough to spend some time there in 2014, and it really gives you pause for thought about, you know, what you're doing there, why you're doing it, um, and the risk involved. Uh, so it's, I think it's, um, it's a nice touch that they're now being memorialized uh, there at the Gilkey Memorial. So that wraps up the K2 summer season. Uh, the next up as we move into August, September, October, uh, climbing in Bolivia begins to take hold. Of course, there's ongoing climbing in the European Alps and the US and Canadian Rockies. Uh, Elbrus, Kilimanjaro, two of the seven summits are very popular during this time as well. In terms of 8,000 meter mountains, typically when you move into late summer, early autumn, is Manaslu, Shishapangma, and uh, Choyo Yu. But uh, it appears that China is closing uh, their borders once again to foreigners. This will now be three seasons in a row, all of 2020 and uh, the spring of 2021, that China has not allowed anyone other than Chinese nationals to attempt their mountains. And that looks like so Choyo Yu and Shishapangma will be off limits again um, this, uh, this autumn. So that means more people are going to be on Manaslu. I expect it just to be crazy crowded. Um, you know, after the Everest season and all the uh, shenanigans that went on there, even though, you know, there was a nice number of summits, primarily by Sherpas that, um, that we had more Sherpa summit than foreigners um, in the ongoing trend of just the Sherpas are just summiting like crazy um, throughout Nepal. Some of them are doing it because they want to pad their resume so they can get future jobs. Others are doing it because, you know, for the love of climbing and others are just doing it as a job guiding up clients. But uh, nonetheless, we're seeing a huge ratio. So next time you see a big picture of uh, people all on Everest, just think about the fact that less than half of the people that you see in the picture are probably paying foreign clients uh, who basically get the bad rap for everything bad that happens on Everest. I love it. You know, Everest is a mountain people love to hate. Never have understood that, never will. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I expect to see a, a um, perhaps an autumn expedition on Everest run by one of the Nepali operators, uh, like Elite Expeditions or perhaps Seven Summits Treks. Um, and also perhaps this winter, uh, German Jost uh, Kobish. Uh, last year, or was it last year, year before he was on the West Ridge, uh, yeah, he got about a third of the way up and he learned a lot, but didn't make it. And he's been talking about wanting to do it again um, this uh, this winter of um, 2021 slash 22. So that wouldn't surprise me at all to see him do it. And also wouldn't surprise me at all to see another commercial expedition on K2 this winter. Uh, we all know what happened last year. Seven Summits Treks had a huge 50-person commercial expedition. Uh, three people died, um, but uh, what I call them, the K29, uh, um, the Sherpas, they all summited. First winter summit of K2. So it won't surprise me to see, uh, you, based upon that success, that same thing to uh, try again. Of course, the first is now passed, so it'll be the next person that summits in the winter will be the 10th person to summit K2. All right. I enjoy bringing K2 to you this summer. Uh, we'll keep it up. And um, as uh, I'll keep uh, you know updating the uh, blog and the podcast as uh, news uh, warrants. And uh, if you ever have any questions or comments, uh, always appreciate them on the YouTube podcast uh, and especially on the website at alanarnett.com. All right. Climb on. This is Alan. And remember, memories are everything.